0: Hello listeners, welcome to Varied Voices in STEM. My name is M. Stacy, and I am one of the co-hosts for this podcast, along with Dr. Erica Tracy, Rora Dungo, and Charlize Williams. The aim of this podcast is to catalog the diverse journeys of individuals in STEM career paths and capture the perspectives of people with a variety of jobs and experience levels in science, technology, engineering, and math. This project is provided by the Neuroscience Institute Committee on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Georgia State University in Atlanta, under the leadership of Dr. Erica Tracy. We give special thanks to our Center for the Advancement of Students and Alumni at Georgia State and the Maximizing Access to Research Careers grant from the National Institutes of Health for funding activities related to this podcast.
1: Sit back and relax while we take a dive into the brightest minds around. Our first episode is going to focus on Dr. Michelle Izioki. Dr. Izioki is a microbiologist and biology professor at Chattahoochee Technical College. She is also the program manager for Georgia State University's Biobus, which is a mobile lab that travels to different K-12 through schools in Georgia and that teaches kids about science. Today's episode is going to highlight Dr. Izioki's journey throughout STEM, what led her to study microbiology, her experiences completing her PhD, and what inspires her to teach science now. We will also get to learn more about Dr. Izioki's involvement in Biobus and her plans for the future. Hi there, my name is Michelle Ventura Izioki, and I am a program manager and an instructor of Intro to Biology. So STEM educator, that's what I do. And so as far as the Biopass is concerned, we are a nonprofit mobile laboratory science education program that travels throughout Metro Atlanta and beyond. And we get the opportunity and the luxury, I think, to teach K through 12 students uh, about science. And sometimes we even get the opportunity to teach science educators like K through five or K through eight. Educators, and we also get the opportunity to interact with uh, undergraduate students uh, in the classroom. So we get to spread our love and passion for STEM throughout Georgia and uh, sometimes even beyond Georgia. Growing up, I've always been a very curious explorer type of of person. So I've been very interested in how things work. Mm -hmm. And so my family didn't always have the answers. And so very early on, I asked for my parents to purchase, for those that remember the Encyclopedia Britannica uh, set. And I remember just spending so much time in those books, just trying to learn how things work and would use them for science projects and things like that. And so always been very interested how, the body works, how life works in general. And so I think that has been something that, inspi- that was inspired by reading things like the Encyclopedia Britannica, if you, if you can imagine that, but pursuing things like science fairs that I really didn't know anything about. And it gave me the opportunity to ask questions that would allow me to provide a possible solution or a possible answer. I think because I'm a first-generation Latina, I feel like I'm a first-generation everything, first-generation college student, a lot of times when I would spend time with my grandparents, they would take me with them to a doctor's appointment, for example. Because there was a language barrier, I would have to be that person that translated for them. And so I found myself saying things that I didn't know anything about, and so I would ask questions later and maybe had to go to my encyclopedias to learn more about maybe an organ system, but really felt inspired at that time. And this wasn't necessarily a science person, but it was the ability to educate or to communicate the science or whatever it was that my grandparent was going through to this healthcare provider. And so It just felt like I was always interested and I always jumped at the chance to do something like that. So it gave me that inspiration to think that I could learn more about this and I could talk about this to others. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a very important moment for me that I always carry in my experiences when I educate and trying to meet the student, whatever age Mm -hmm. the student may be, where they are. It's so funny because I applied to one school and I got into one school and they had what they call like early decision. And so I had a girlfriend from high school that said, well, I'm going to early decision. And I didn't know what that was. Right. So I said, "Okay, can I come? And so her parents were well versed and prepared for this early decision. And so I just tagged along. And she just said, Bring your transcripts, bring whatever I was supposed to bring. And I was like, Okay. So I went, took my stuff, sat with the admissions department, gave them my transcripts. And they said, Okay, you're approved. Welcome. And they gave me a letter. And I went home. And I was like, I think I I just got accepted to college. So that was my experience. And it was very weird. And so in the sense that like I didn't go through all of those emotions of I have to prepare a personal statement, which I did, but they kind of interviewed you. It was a weird way to get into the university, but I'm so grateful that I did. I didn't know really anything about that university except for that this girl was trying to go there. And so sometimes it's even, again, your circle of friends that might influence Where you go to school. I didn't even have the knowledge that I could research and go visit these schools. I was just happy to be there. It was awesome. I was a part of a program that was funded by the NSF that was really trying to prepare minority students in science. When I entered, my freshman year they put together a group so a cohort that hopefully would stay together through all of the years that you were gonna be an undergrad hopefully four but some of us did five so that group became your science cohort where you would go to general chem together you would go to organic chemistry biochemistry and you would hopefully graduate and yes you know that not everyone's gonna stay in science, but a lot of us did. And a lot of us went on to professional programs, PhD, MD, DO, DDS. And because of that experience, I feel that it really motivated me to enter science education because there was even opportunities to become a mentor Slash, supplemental instruction educator for the next generation that came, that was very instrumental in me deciding about you know science education and and how I wanted to give back to the community and such. So it really inspired my endeavors after greatly. And so I think that those types of programs are important for expanding and increasing the amount of underrepresented minorities and students in STEM. So I'm very grateful for that experience because I was able to participate in different organizations with the same individuals. And so we kind of build each other up. I am, to this day, the only person in my family that has graduated from college. A lot of times when you're in a family where finances are an issue, you're not even quite sure how you're gonna fund this endeavor, not knowing how to prepare yourself for the different expectations that you'll have to meet for college. You don't even know the questions to ask. I had, at that point, older cousins that were like finishing college. And I just remember that none of nobody was in STEM, first mm. of all. And if they were going to go to college, it had to be something that didn't have a lab associated with it. And so it wasn't easy. And so I just feel like nobody pushed me to go to school. Graduating from high school was enough. A lot of my family members went into the workforce after high school. There's a lot of the next generation, which I dedicated my dissertation to the next generation of Latino STEM students, because I want to be that example, beginning with my own family, where we have had some students now go into STEM, because they see that as a possibility for themselves. And I'd like to think that there's been a, a, a few conversations that I've had with them that may have had something to do with that. So if I can be that person for my students, for my BioBus fellows and beyond, I'm so excited about that. I felt the support of my family. So even though they didn't know how to help me, but by simply saying that we support what you're trying to do was enough. As I was preparing myself, those older cousins that had kind of gone through the process and maybe knew a thing or two about financial aid and my grades were good enough that I would able I was able to apply for scholarships and things like that allowed me to see that dream through because I had resources and I worked as well mm-hmm. through my undergraduate experience but it gave me the resources that I needed to really see that dream come true. It starts with, you know, having a conversation, hopefully with the college advisor at your high school. And then hopefully you have people in your circle, in your family that also may know a thing or two. So I try to be that person now for the next generation in my family, because sometimes we don't even know the questions to ask. I did have others that pursued science and more specifically medicine. And so when I thought about entering science, of course, I consulted with them and wanted to to ask questions about their journey, but I wasn't quite sure where my place was. Um, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted from science and what I wanted for myself. One thing that I did know for sure was that I'm an educator at heart. I think that i've always wanted to pursue education as much as i fought it i always find my way back to education more specifically science education there was an experience that i had during my undergraduate program where it's like a pre-professional program where you get to shadow different um stem careers and so part of the experience was to shadow some medical doctors and part of it was to shadow a professor so when i did the medical doctor shadowing there was some experiences that i found myself in that immediately <laughs> said to me you don't want to do this every day then there was counterparts of you know other students that were with me in the program that were jumping to the moment where they had to clean someone's bedpan or had to assist in a change of a dressing after a, a, an operation. And, and I just didn't quite gravitate towards that. And so quickly, I knew that I wasn't going to realize my passion there. Maybe if I was more informed, if I would have done a better job researching the different degrees that I could have gone, maybe I would have gotten into microbiology a lot sooner. But I think that I had to go through biology to really understand that I was interested in microbiology and science education. So it's part of my journey. So I don't necessarily feel like I doubted it, but I realized that I was more interested specifically in microbiology in the end. I think that it was after a medical micro class Mm -hmm. that I took in my undergraduate experience. And I just really enjoyed the professor because he was one of the only minority professors that I had actually in my undergraduate experience, but also because he was a pretty awesome instructor. And I felt like that class allowed me to apply a lot of the information that I had learned along the way. And it was very hands-on. And so that was like one of the experiences that allowed me to feel that science can be fun, it can be interesting, and it needs to be hands-on for it to be those things. So I really enjoyed that. And I think that's where I really believed if I go on to a graduate experience it will definitely have to be in micro. And I did. I definitely feel like it was a process. It wasn't something that as soon as I was like, "All oh, right, I definitely like micro." You still feel like, "Well, now what? And and what can you do with that?" And so I think I was still trying to find out what I wanted out of a career. I wasn't convinced that education was where I really wanted to be. So it took me some time and some experiences to be able to feel good about where I was. But what I was able to retrospectively you know, see was that I got to a place where I always found myself in education somehow, some way, fighting the education route. <laughs> so it was a very weird internal battle that I had. And I'm not sure if it had to do with educators getting a bad rap. It just felt like something that I needed to do more. And I put that in air quotes, like more. And I don't even know what that means. What I've realized over time is that the more was that passion that you have for something. And so I realized that I couldn't just teach anything. I realized that I couldn't just teach anyone, like I wanted a specific place. And for that to happen, I had to go and do more schooling. And so ideally it's with college students. And part of it is to inspire the minority population to enter STEM fields, to enter the STEM workforce, because, well, we're just not represented as well as what we probably would like I want to be a part of that solution to help students see themselves in a STEM position, in a STEM field. So there wasn't a whole lot of representation of minorities in science in the faculty. Well, I think that would have been a big impact on me if I would have been able to see that a little bit more. But If you've really managed getting to that place in your career educationally without it, then you've just managed. But I think that for undergraduates, it could be powerful to have that experience in the classroom. As a staff, I'm excited to be that change. And so I wanna be part of the solution on how to increase the diversity within our department how to bring on more faculty that represent the minorities out there in science. I believe that going back to my own experience, having those we have in SEP like those cohorts for Mm -hmm. freshmen, right? But having to be a little bit more specialized and a little bit more organized, if you will, where it's intentional, right? You have somebody that's over this group and they will continue to be kind of like Mm Biobus, right? But we take a cohort and we really build them as they're going through their classes and recognizing that there are those pivotal points where students will abandon ship. And what will we do when that time comes for those students? I think that There's something to be said for a support system. So if you feel accountable to your counterparts, you might just push that much more to get to the finish line. But if there's no one else that's surrounding you, you might just say, well, I can do something else. And that's unfortunate because we lose a lot of good potential that way. In my undergraduate experience, I was a part of a Chicano Latino pre professional program. So, essentially, a group of students that come from different Latin American backgrounds and beyond. We basically did a lot of uh, science education in the community, and we also did a lot of outreach within the community. So, for the holidays and things like that, that experience allowed me to exercise leadership skills because I held a position on the board and and it allowed me to interact with the community. And I realized that that was something that resonated with me because I feel very strongly about giving back to the community. And so it just so happens that now I get to do it as a full-time job. And that's, I think, uh, an awesome uh, place to be. But yeah, so those experiences before Biobus really have enabled me to realize that passion and that niche that I want to continue being part of the community. And now I get to do so by being the program manager of the BioBus program here at Georgia State. And that has allowed me to interact not only with the community or the K through 12 teachers and students and families, but also with our Georgia State community, undergraduate and graduate students. So It has provided so many opportunities for me to give back to the community and communities that I belong in. And so it started with giving back to the community at an early age with a Kiwanis membership. But it has really inspired so many things after that, specifically within science. So during that experience, I would have conversations with some of those minority professors at our university that, would always even tell me, you need to go get your PhD. You need to become a professor. You need to become a teacher. So even having your mentors see your strengths and really push you to open yourself up to those experiences, even if you're resistant to them at the moment. But clearly they saw something in me that inspired them to say that to me. And I fought it for a little bit. But like I said, I always found myself in situations where I'm teaching and I like it. So stop fighting it. And I did, I ended up becoming an educator. Before I came to Georgia, so I was originally born and raised in California, LA. I was looking for graduate programs I looked at Georgia State and immediately wanted to see how to give back to the community. So I found out that the Biobus program existed and that they accepted volunteers. So I wanted to do my part. And so I came to the Biobus program and I met with our founder director, Dr. Barbara Baumstark, and told her that, you know, I was very interested in becoming part of this program and I started volunteering and so I volunteered for about two semesters then I realized that people got paid <laughs> and so I realized that this would be an opportunity for me to be able to fund my graduate career as a master student And so I expressed my interest to do such, and they accepted me, and they haven't been able to get rid of me ever since. So, yeah, so I was able to do my master's under the Biobus program. After that, I wanted to dabble a little with science education, and so I went into the classroom for a few years before coming back to do the PhD. I just have always had uh, some kind of involvement with the Biobus. So I didn't go through the master's and doctoral program at the same time. So normally you'll start your master's and just naturally progress into the PhD program. I actually took a break. I felt a little burnt out at one point after the master's and I decided to go into the classroom. So I taught high school for about three years and I only intended to do it for one year, but I ended up being a science teacher for nine through twelfth science for three years. And then I realized I was supposed to do something. And that was the PhD program. I was supposed to go back because I I never intended to stop, but it was just how my journey worked out. And I'm glad that I had that experience because it has enabled me to grow here at the Biobus as now a program manager and it has allowed me to bring those experiences to this program and help the fellows in their own teaching experiences because a lot of our fellows, they come to this position without any teaching experiences. And so after we have a lot of fellows that have decided to enter education because of their experiences here at the Biobus. So teaching high school was pretty intense, I would say, for the first year at least, maybe year and a half. But it was very bearable because, statistically speaking, a lot of teachers will quit after their first year to two. And that's because there's so many moving parts in the classroom, right? You're not just delivering your instruction. You are managing, depending on what grade you're teaching, but you're managing a variety of personalities, behaviors. So there's just a lot of moving parts. So when you are not a, let's say, traditional educator, meaning that that's what you went to school for, it's gonna be a rude awakening when you get there. And it was, but I had that biobus experience under my belt that enabled me to build my classroom management, my content, and albeit we're not in the classroom, the same classroom every single day, but we are in classrooms every day. So, that experience for the duration of my master's program, which was a couple of years, allowed me to grow as an educator. So, taking that experience into the classroom is something that I do even until this moment that um, I teach Bio 101 to undergraduates, and that enables me to remember that science can be fun, even when you're in college. You quickly understand why when people advise you, don't take a break, just keep going. Yeah, I get it now because I took a three-year break And so I only intended to take a one-year break. So sometimes you need to take a break, and that's understandable. But I think that I had to kind of get back into the groove and understanding that it's not just going back to school, right? Because in science, you have to go back to your classes and your work in those classes, but you also have to go to a lab and remember what it feels like to be doing bench work. I was also working full-time. So it was a very intense experience that I am definitely a lot better for now because I didn't die, <laughs> but it was very intense. It just pushed every part of me. And I'm grateful for that experience. And I'm grateful, again, to the BioBus because it allowed me to have that experience. So it was something that it really uh, required some getting used to. but. Right. Time management, like everyone probably faces. So being able to dedicate time to my research, uh, being able to dedicate time to my position and my academic, it was just and you're still a person, right? You still have to be a friend, a daughter, a sister. So being able to manage all those aspects of life, it's a very intense juggling act. So my next steps is, oh gosh, I never want to leave Biobus, but I want to definitely become part of the faculty. And I would love to just continue to grow my experience as an educator, become more involved with teaching. I love Biobus so much that I would love to find a way to do it all. I think uh, continuing to write more, part of the bio bus is that we're a nonprofit. And so what that means is that in order to keep the buses rolling, we apply for grants. So part of it is becoming that person, you know, and, and learning how to tap into those types of resources for our program to continue doing the good work that we're doing. I think it's usually when I go into those elementary school classrooms and a student says, you do science or you're a scientist. And I think that those moments are just the best because that allows me to really open up dialogue with a fifth grader, right? The first question that I ask and when that happens is, well, what does a scientist look like? And they'll just, you know, usually turn to, you know, the Albert Einstein look. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, scientists can look like that, but they don't only look like that. And so oftentimes I'll bring up this study that took place where the researchers asked a middle school class to draw a scientist before the intervention. And no surprise, a lot of their drawings did look like that Albert Einstein, crazy science, mad scientist look, stuff's blowing up. And then after the intervention, usually led by a person of color, they were asked again, draw a scientist. And the beautiful thing about that study is that those drawings reflected those students. So that means that They may not have been able to see themselves as a scientist before that intervention, but something happened in between that afterwards, exposure to careers in science, to people in science, they were able to see themselves as a scientist. And that's a very powerful moment when we have those biobus experiences where people see you and realize that, hey, that could be me too. My favorite accomplishment has been being able to take our program from a formal science education program to a informal science education program. Because what the literature states is that a lot of the experiences and knowledge, specifically as it pertains to STEM, that students are bringing into the classroom are not happening in the classroom. They're happening outside of the classroom. And so one of the things that I am so proud of is that we have been able, with obviously the help of our director and fearless leader, Dr. Barbara Baumstark, we have been able to take this program into the science education research field and being able to really contribute to the literature and to the, to the um, knowledge about how students learn science and the information that they are able to receive and the venues in which they can receive the information from has really been a big part of the last five to 10 years for our program. And so I'm very proud of our DNA's elementary program that was funded by the Science Education Partnership Award, SEPA. Um, uh, that's under the NIH. And so we've done a lot of good things with that program and we continue to do that good work and, and hope that it will inspire the future of education um, as it pertains to STEM. This project was actually started back in 2008 when Dr. Baumstark was awarded the first uh, SIPA. And this led to so much fun uh, is, is how I can describe it. So we started off questioning the literature. So educational psychology states that students between the ages of five and nine learn second languages best. And so part of this DNA's elementary project was asking the question that if students between the ages of five and nine learn second languages best, is it possible that we could teach the language of DNA as a second language? And so we started off our journey creating modules and a module is a 60 minute intervention, depending on the grade level. And we created these hands on experiences, uh, activities for first, second, third graders, because the standards at this point uh, really don't teach formally the concept of heredity and let's say DNA and genetics until the fifth grade. And so we decided that we were going to try and teach it to first, second and third graders. What we realized was not only did they receive the information, But we also realized that they retained it for some time. So this was one of the projects that led to, we did one module and created about 10 modules and counting because we're still working. And we've created hands-on experiences where you not only do experiments, but you're doing hands-on learning and kinesthetic learning that has different applications within DNA, the basic concepts, Mendelian genetics and basic concepts of DNA. And so this allows young students to start finding some answers about DNA. And what we realized was that this wasn't only received well by first, second and third graders. This was received well by all students of all ages. And so the second part of our funding, well, the second funding that we had from SIPA was dedicated to taking this project into the informal science education venues, like libraries and community centers and even churches. And so we are able now to bring the family unit as a whole to learn about DNA. This becomes very important because when we live in an age where you can go to Target and purchase a 23andMe kit and send it off. You're not really sure what that information even means and what is happening there. Anyways, there's so many questions that we, we can talk about there. But having that conversation as a family becomes important. Conversations as a patient, it becomes important. And so these types of experiences kick off these types of conversations and Additionally, as a student, having this experience of learning about DNA with your family members can inspire that the student enter STEM and persist in science. Science is everywhere. Science is in everything that we do throughout our day. If you just take a minute to think about the design of a chip that allows you to turn on your coffee maker to the alarm that sits next to your nightstand. We have science in modern medicine that allows us to create specific therapies that uh, are tailored to our specific illnesses like immunotherapy. So I can probably speak all day about the wonders and the beauty of science It's something that we continue to learn more about each day, whether it's the design of a new vaccine or how to challenge very interesting topics like climate change. So the way that I see the world is that, number one, we have to start sooner. I didn't realize that as a student, but we do have to start sooner. And we have to, especially after this pandemic, science has really suffered because science is hands-on. And when you can't have that experience to perform an experiment in a lab or make mistakes in a lab, then how are you supposed to get motivated? So although I appreciate the ability to, to be virtual, we've suffered as far as exposure is concerned for STEM students. And so what this all of this experience has shown me is that uh, we need to start sooner. And if we can get students to really figure out that science can be so much more than rote memorization and worksheets, (laughs) I think we'll be doing good. And I believe that if we have to start younger then we also have to prepare our K through 5 educators our K through 8 educators because in my research and in my experience a lot of the educators that have gone through my professional development experiences have shown that they're not confident in their background in science but after a professional development they feel better they feel more more knowledgeable and more equipped to be able to teach science to their students. So I think number one, that, it, that kind of, we bring the field trip to you, mm-hmm. feeling, having these young college students come into your classroom. You miss that experience and it goes both ways. So it's not just the, the students in the classroom that get to get excited, right? It's also our fellows that get excited coming into the classroom to be able to teach students, maybe at a school that they attended. It's a powerful experience for our fellows, be it undergrad or graduate students, that will in turn increase their intent to persist in what they're doing. I can't begin to tell you how many of our fellows will go to lab failed experiments. Maybe they didn't do so good on an exam. And then they come to Biobus and they get to teach and the kids are so excited to see them and so happy that they're like, okay, I can keep doing this. It's just like they get re-energized, right? I also think that that is a challenge when you're trying to deliver that emotion and, and you know that feeling virtually. Yeah. Something is lost the biobus fellows they are my my motivation obviously our bread and butter mm-hmm. is the K through 12 community and that is why we are here but when i look to i got to be there for someone or i got to train a fellow or something i feel like that's what makes me feel like all right let's get to it let's let's do the training let's teach let's prepare Let's brainstorm because I really enjoy seeing the fellows grow, finding themselves vulnerable because they don't know how to teach. They don't know how to explain a particular topic. But when they leave here, they're a very different person. And hopefully they don't forget us when they go off and do all the great things that they're going to do in the world. My favorite memory, and it's a memory that happens like often. So it's not just like one memory, but it's like the type of memory. It's that moment when that freshman undergrad that walks into my office for the first time and they are just so excited about college. They decide that they want to be a part of the BioBus and they were serious. And they stay here throughout their undergraduate experience, maybe even to a graduate experience, but that moment where that undergraduate student is now at the point of graduation. They're the first person in their family to go to college. Many times they thought they weren't gonna make it, and they look to the bio bus as a second home and realize that the relationships that they've made here and that the experiences that they've had working with the K through 12 community have brought them to this point with a lot of their own hard work. And they remember the experiences that they have here. And that, to me, is an experience and a memory that never gets old. And that always fills me with so much joy and renews my own passion to continue doing the work that I do. I have learned that along the way, you will have individuals that will come In your life, and they will push you. Now, it might not be the best experience. It might not be the best moment for you. But what you realize is that on the other end, they didn't break you, and you are better for it, and you are stronger for it. And now you get to decide what type of leader you would like to be. And in graduate school, the assumption is that you'll tend to be like your advisors or the people that you worked under and stuff like that. Well, you know, I had a really awesome boss slash advisor and Dr. Baumstark has really empowered me and every other BioBus student. If I can be a little like her, then I'll be doing okay. And that is something that I didn't think that I could be. One of the things that I tend to advise my students about is being able to advocate for oneself is extremely important, especially as you move up in your experiences um, post-grad. So I would say that being able to advocate for yourself, specifically because most of my career Educationally speaking, I have felt that I didn't belong because I very rarely saw people that looked like me in STEM fields or the good old imposter syndrome. But I never felt comfortable being vulnerable in my experience throughout my education until I started graduate school. And that is just too late. So I think my biggest failure is not being comfortable enough to advocate for myself earlier and not being comfortable enough to say, I don't know earlier, because I always feared that somebody would realize I don't belong and that would be the end of my journey in STEM. I think it's failing and picking myself back up anybody that is in science and that has done research will tell you that you fail more than you succeed and so if you just continue to pick yourself back up you'll realize that it's okay and that you learn even from your failures and that's what makes you better and so if I am able to go through this and come out on the other end to say, it's okay to say I don't know because we don't feel that quite often in science. And it's okay to advocate for yourself even though you don't feel like you belong. That's a success if I can help another student realize that earlier than grad school.
0: That's all for today. Thanks for listening. This has been Varied Voices in STEM. I'm Dr. Erica Tracy. I'm Charlize Williams. My name is
1: Rora Dongo.
0: And I'm M. Stacy. Remember, stay safe, stay curious, and share your stories.